hopefully I'll get a chance to hopefully I'll get a chance to see it. We'll yeah. see. Until then, you'll just have to settle for tonight's Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Ooh. Which begins with the sound of footsteps and the sound of silence. It's a slow walk, an intentional methodical one. And it's Owlin who's walking. Uh, Owlin, you had been intending to rush off when last we saw you. You raced out the uh, entrance of the temple to Awara at the same time as Fox ran in to discover Zothkug, um, deceased, you know, the machine having failed. And we we don't know exactly where Owlin was going. I think he probably was on his way to attune to the Rod of Intelligence, but he was he was moving with purpose. He um, was on his way to, to, to do an epic... Uh, look at my hands, like, what have I done moment. Mm. That was mostly the... <laughs> but as he's about to have that epic look at my hands, what have you done moment, he's actually stopped. A hand on your arm calls you back, and you turn, and Naomi, the favorite of Awara, who runs this temple, uh, holding back tears herself, whispers quietly to you that you are needed to help move the body. She lets you know that she's reached out to a temple of Kelnor on the fourth tier, the one below this one, and that they're making arrangements to tend to Zothkug before his funeral funeral rites. And the body needs to get down there. Unfortunately, um, she is not able to leave her temple, and it would be weird um, and kind of infringing of her for her to enter a place that was consecrated to another deity. Um, Fox obviously can't do it because he's got one leg, uh, and so the job falls to Allen and Radford. And so Allen. You hold the front two wooden posts of a canvas stretcher. Radford holds the rear two posts. Uh, Alan, the strain on your rib, your cracked rib, is is nearly unbearable from this. Yeah. Um, talk to me about what's going through Alan's mind as he makes the slow, deliberate walk across the fifth tier into the reticulator. Alan is is feeling guilty in some ways because the first few days working on the machine um that had the potential to revive Zothkug he was just so emotionally out of it and drained from you know still a little bit left over from what's happened to Jeb as well as what happened to Zoth that he felt like he was basically no use those first two days especially and Part of him really wonders whether if he had been able to get it together and focus those first two days, whether there was a, is a chance that the machine would have worked and Zoth would have been able to come back. So he's definitely thinking about that. But at the same time, his mind is is racing about what this means for 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 their mission for Urida. Like, all right. Zothkug was attuned to this rod after only having one rod left because we already lost Jeb. And so now, at least they're, they're in some ways, they're temporarily back to square one without access to magic. Um, especially because Zoth and Jeb also had the other temporary ways of accessing magic before we even got the rods. Um, so Alan is thinking about, okay, the Rod of Intelligence... I have the best shot with that of the two that have been left vacant right at this moment. Alan's thinking about how the attuning to that might be convenient to do while he's recovering from his cracked rib and his internal injuries. 
um, and how like, okay, we can kill, I can two, kill two birds with one stone there. He's thinking about how they still have to find Do Bumblefoot. He's the last avatar left that they know is trapped and enslaved by the, like ensnared by the Aboliths. There's still more avatars after that to find like Kel or like Kay and um, the big moose avatar um, that he can't remember the name of right now. Um, but those, and those are things that need to happen. And he's also, it's creeping into his mind and it's a, a fear that he had before, but it's creeping into his mind that he, at least, at least he himself, Alan, may not like in his own view, quote unquote, have time to go back and find Jeb and save Jeb. Like with the stakes of what's going on right now and what's happened to Zoth, he really feels like this like dread and urgency that maybe means that they'll really have to leave Jet behind. But he's not he's not ready to think about that yet. He's taking one step forward at a time to get Zoth to the temple. As the point. reticulator doors kind of slide shut and the three of you begin making your way down to the fourth tier. Fox, take us into your inner monologue in this moment. You're kind of walking alongside the group. You've got the medallion of the Gemstone Guardians, so you're sort of the one who's going ahead and making sure that doors are open for you, that lines part, that you're able to get where you're going. I think right now Fox is torn and really torn up. He's lost a limb. He's been because of that, unable to save Jeb. And and furthermore, uh, perhaps he was unable to save Zoth uh, for the same reason. And he feels like he's to blame in both cases, probably more so than truly, but he's, he's really lost right now. In shock. He really really thought this was going to work. And and now that the reality has hit him in the face, you know, to see Zoth dead, then to have the hope that he was coming back and then just that immediately taken away after days of working on it, Fox hasn't really said a word. As the reticulator doors ding, open up for you to head out onto the fourth tier of Gaim. This is your first time, well, probably not for Fox, who went all over Gaim looking for a diamond the first few days of the building process. But certainly, Owlin, it's your first time seeing this tier. And this this is the sapphire tier of Gaim. And so where before the sort of crystalline green of emerald was everywhere, this time you were greeted by the soothing cool blue of sapphire inlays. And rather than constructing the structures here from um, sapphire, as the emerald tier did with emeralds, here they are they are basically woven in or inlaid as detail patterns on top of things. And so it's the the same sort of rusty colored stone that makes up the walls of the city cavern, but it's laced over with like a delicate latticework pattern of sapphire that's been inset to be flush with the surface of the ground and kind of reflecting back almost like wet gravel wood where you, you see some texture and some glimmer of light as the different shafts of light coming from the skylights far, far above you um, kind of bounce and reflect off of this tier. And there, there isn't much of a crowd. It's late in the, 
late in the night or really early in the morning. It's the day after the culmination of the Harvest Festival. Mostly people are sleeping in after like a night of partying hard. There are a handful of vendors and craftspeople and pyrotechnics and people who are cleaning up from the celebration. And they respectfully step to the side as soon as they see the gemstone warden's amulet. And they see that this is a funeral procession walking by, albeit a small one. You are joined at this point by Yathamikonid and by the core staff of Four Guys Ventures and Vibes, by Zal and Joffrey and Randy and Marcy. Um, the the group kind of walking with you silently. Yeah, the Mikeanid climbs up Radford's wooden sandals and sort of reaches upwards um, to, to get kind of a lift up onto the stretcher so that he can sit with Zoth. And you you continue your journey until eventually you come three or four pendants down to a small tea shop. Uh, it's called the Midnight Spring Tea Shop, and it is equal parts earthy and um, fancy. It's fine porcelain containers for the tea with delicate artwork painted on the sides, and it's also... Um, freshly dug earth has been scattered and swept almost like a Zen garden on the ground so that it's cool and refreshing against your feet. There are some nice tables and blankets for people who would prefer to sit. Um, The air is filled with a sort of thin haze of um, apple cat smoke and the uh, cleric of this, uh, or really it's the, the priest of this, this temple slash tea shop uh, as you come in, walks over and makes a sort of strange hand gesture you've not seen before. With the exception of Radford, you recognize it as the greeting of the sun, which is just one of the holy actions that um, a, a follower of Kelnor can take. And the priest has tea set out on the table for all of you. And very, very gently um, in his strong hematician arms, he takes the canvas from you and walks the stretcher to the back of the, the tea shop sets it down very gently, very respectfully, very intentionally onto a wooden... It's all. It looks kind of like a workbench, but it's a little too tall for that, um, and then puts like a fabric drape over it so that he can come back to it later. And then he comes to the table and sits down and sort of holds out a hand and gestures at the tea to see if the rest of you will sit. Alan will sit, definitely eager to rest his bones. Uh, Radford will go up and, and sit. To the left of Alan. After some hesitation, Fox will take the final seat. Yeah, the Mykonid crawls off of the canvas stretcher, hops down onto the ground, his little feet pat, pat, patting on the wood. And as he walks um, towards you, you can see a sort of delicate fuchsia spore coming from, from yeah, the Mykonid. You've not seen fuchsia come from him before. And rather than floating into the air as his other spores have, these ones sink towards the ground almost like tears um, as he walks. Where they hit the ground, tiny little flowers begin to bloom behind him. He walks forward and, and climbs laboriously up onto the bench, refusing help from anybody else. Goes over to the teacup that would have been for Zoth and sits down, you know, his feet on either side of it. It's totally oversized for him, so his arms are kind of wrapped around it in a bear hug, and he drinks a little bit of the tea on Zoth's behalf. And you sit there silently for what could be seconds, it could be minutes, it could be days, 
just sort of sharing a moment. Um, your teacups are refilled as many times as you drain them until you choose to stop drinking. And throughout the process, you gain uh, 1d20 temporary hit points. And these will last until either your next long rest or until they are depleted in battle. After a time, the Hematitian priest explains to you the process of preparing Zothkug's body for burial. He explains that the first thing that he'll do is he'll spend some time trying to get an understanding of the essence of, of who Zothkug was and, and trying to get a good understanding of his vibe. And then he will do some embalming techniques, some things to prepare the body. And then um, it'll be your choice as a group whether Zoth goes out by pyre or if he goes if he's buried somewhere. Um, and he does explain to you that it, you know, funeral uh, funerary resting sites in Gaim are hard to come by because of the nature of being a cavern. But he is obviously willing to go to whatever lengths he needs to to see your vision come, you know, be seen through. Um, and there are Kelnoran rites for either way of, of processing your grief. Um, and, and then he kind of sits there and, and leaves the decision with you as far as, you know, how will you, how, how will Zoth pass on? Uh, Fox, what, what do you think he would have preferred? I, you, you knew him the longest. Um, did you know his family? What his family might want? I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't really talk to his family. I never, never really met them. Um, I would assume, I guess, whatever's traditional for the Kelnor. Um, sorry. Um, is, is, is this something we have to decide now? No. The Hematician's voice is a little raspy. Um, you get the impression that not many people come here to see him. No, you can decide whenever you will. Obviously, we it would be best to conduct the rites within the next few days. But certainly you need not decide today. Perhaps this is something you can think about over the next weekend or so. Today is a Saturday. Maybe we can decide on Monday? Uh, sure. I think that would be best. I'm not sure if it matters, sir, but uh, his body has been resting unprepared for about a week. We'll figure it out, man. He seems pretty laid back about it. I will say, and this is not an indication that we need to make the decision now, but my my instinct is that Zoth struck me as someone who, in in the best way possible, belonged to no place, and in that way, I I personally think that I, a, a pyre is is fitting for him. But yeah, the mic and it's just speculation. Yeah, the mic and it floats a few spores up into the air to establish the telepathic link with you all and um, joins the conversation and you hear his voice. I believe that we should allow fire to return Zoth to, to the world of plants that he loved so much. Hmm. Um, I agree. Now that you say it like that... Um. I'm going to, can I take this tea outside? Um, step outside for a moment. You may. 
yeah, the Mike and Id's voice still telepathically linked to you um, is in all of your heads. As he says, Larodith wished me to communicate to you all that she awaits you in the safe room in the royal palace and that there are pressing matters to discuss and that she sends her condolences and her sorrow and hopes that you will see her in the near future but does not wish to rush you. Alan's going to look at... Um, well, are we all telepathically linked now? Yep, the four of, of you the, are okay. all in the conversation. Okay. I, I believe before we make any decisions about things past um and then i'll he'll alan will kind of reference to the the room that they're in that past this and the the funeral and such we should speak to laredith but that doesn't mean that we need to necessarily go right now um we can take time to rest but i do think figuring out what this journey even looks like um, past this is is important it's important for us to get on the same page first first jeb and now zoth i think we we need to we need to talk about it jeb's not dead i just want to make sure that's clear alan's not gonna say anything well in my estimation before you can take on something bigger you need to give due and ample time to the big thing in front of you. Or it's always going to linger in the back of your head. You need to close close this chapter or else you're always going to have one foot in the past. So whatever we need to do, whatever you need to do, whatever I can do for you in this time here, let's do it. Let's get everything out Let's do what's necessary. And then we talk to Laredith. Otherwise, we'll be swept into the future. And you'll always be wondering what could have been. All right. So here's to one more glass of tea. And he holds his glass of tea up. Half full. And then he takes his little wooden cup and he pours some of his his double booze moonshine into it. Till it's completely full. (laughs) One half mourning, one half joy, and remembrance of the good things. And he passes his little cup around to the, and offers to, to pour some into your guy's cup. Fox walks back in to get some in his cup. Oh, hey, you did come back. Good on you. Yeah, stepping outside doesn't really work when we can all hear each other in our minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Alan will pour, pour into his cup, yep. To Zothkug. To Zothkug. May his vibes be ever-present, and may the love and consideration that he had for everybody continue to be for everybody through us. To Zothkug. To Zothkug. Well, I, I think to that point, I think you're right. We should just get things sorted. And I think, uh, I think what you suggest it's best. I think a funeral fire is best. I think he should be returned to the earth as ash. I think 
being part of the plants he once loved would be what he wanted. <sighs> the Hematitian priest assures you that he will make all the necessary preparations, including um, securing access to a space in the mountains that is like protected by the by Gaim, like by the city state, to do the pyre so that it can happen under the stars um, rather than happening in the cavern itself. And that's also a regulation because like a funeral pyre in a cavern where there's not good ventilation would not be good for anybody. So, um, and he lets you know, like that will take me somewhere between one and four days. I will let you know as soon as the preparations are made. Thank you. I'm feeling more certain. I think it will take me two days. <laughs> well, that to make the necessary perfect. preparations. It's good to have a clear vision. That that's That's helpful. Yes. You know, I think there's something a little poetic and kind of beautiful that Urida is going to smoke south. <laughs> I I think that's I think that's perfect. That's one way. You know what that it. means? <laughs> it is time for another adventure at the Wing Badger Tavern because I can't think of a better transition than that. And we'll be right back. Sinir, Gontos, Kotex. Awara. Long ago, the four ancients created a world in harmony. Then, everything changed when the chat ebbed magic. Only Kelmor, master of good vibes, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. Two years have passed, and four adventurers have discovered a conspiracy, a company selling magic. And although their roleplay is great, they have a lot of XP to earn before they're ready to save anyone. But I believe they can save the world. Hey, let's meet our characters for the evening. Our music bot's broken, so we're we're just gonna like bop as if there were music, but really we're just gonna meet them. We're just gonna loop that for the podcast listeners. Okay, cool. Get excited for that, Spotify. Hey, I'm Wash. I play Radford the White, the Dragonborn Monk, and. Uh, I'm ready to uh, open up a new chapter. Cool things to come. And hello, I'm Cleo, formerly known as Matt, now playing the Rogue Changeling Fox, and I'm I'm uh, making sure to go through all of the trauma. Woo! Hoping to get past that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Jake. I play Alan Wadrier, the Azamar barbarian, uh, what's my other class? Artificer. Um, and I, it really hit me that our intro is no longer accurate in some ways, and that two of the four guys are gone. That's crazy. Anyway, I'm also the music guy, clearly. I'm Josh, your Wing Badger Game Master for the evening, and I play the rest of the world, and that's pretty much my role. And on that, without further ado, let's get back into tonight's Dungeons & Dragons adventure. And we're going to bring ourselves uh, a few, a little ways into the future here. Is there anything that you guys are doing before you go down to see Laredith? Uh, we should decide who's keeping Zoth's, ooh. who's taking care of Zoth's stuff. Remember also that you've got the four guys core staff with you, so you can delegate that if you want, just yep. so you know it's available. 
one of us should keep track of the rod of wisdom probably i actually have been Can holding on to that because so far i've been the only one able to pick it up i was just about to ask how are you carrying that radford i believe is it in a pack i think you rolled it in your I bed think roll I, last I time, laid right? it into a tool slot and rolled it up into my tool into my tool roll yeah okay um have you attempted to pick it up since not since no no i felt okay. that weird magical resistance and i was able it seemed unhappy and uh we're just gonna let that little unhappy tantrum of a rod hang out in there and till it, till it learns to behave a little better okay when the vibe's right as far as uh zoth's other possessions was there anything major that we would really want to make sure it's taken care of besides the rod what about his plant yeah, he had the pot and the plant. His pot cracked, but the bulk of it is still in, like, it's solid and it's with him. And it has his mm. leaves in it. Uh, well. Maybe that's been, from, uh, would be something that Yak could look after? Yes, I think that makes a lot of sense. That makes sense. I would be honored to tend to the plant once more. Um, well, can I, uh, hold on to his holy symbol? You definitely can. Um, his holy symbol, I believe, is an amulet. I've got his character sheet right in front of me, so I'm just checking. Yeah, it's like a an amulet on a chain that he wore around his neck. And it's the the symbol of the, the mug with the rising sun over it, right? Yes. It's the symbol of the mug with the sun rising basically over the, the brim. And the he didn't have anything else on him of note magically except a small handful of wingle digits and the empty black powder bag. Um, okay. The empty sacrium pouch, I should say, from Sir. Ooh, a fanny pack. He has a really fancy hat, um, and a set of really fancy clothes. They will probably only fit Alan, realistically ah. speaking. Um, um, but that's what he's got. Al- Alan, uh, when he sees the 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 fancy clothes, he'll say, "I, I think, I think I know." these should go to i think perhaps these should go to the princess in memory of of zoth i know that it or at least it seemed to me um based on their communication after i sobered up that they became very close um part of me wants to leave it with zoth but I guess it would make sense Whatever. as well to give it as a, I don't know, what would you even call it? A, I, I feel weird calling it a gift, Alan. I'd... Well, and, you know, you you knew him closer than the rest of us, so if you feel that that is inappropriate as far as what he would want, then by all means. No, I, knowing Zoth, he would probably like to give everything he could to someone who could make use of it or i'm i'm not sure if the princess would make use of it but i think that she would definitely um, appreciate it sorry it's well <laughs> we um if if we decide that we want to give it to her we can give it to her when we visit Lairdith at the castle then oh at the palace i would be willing to donate some of these things to the poor if you feel they don't have other purposes and he does, I mean, he's got the general adventuring stuff that you get in D&D, you know, the yeah. hemp rope and the whatever, ball bearings probably. 
Is there something that you want to hang on to as a company? You know, symbol of one of the original founders? I think the hat. I think that's a good point. At the very least, I mean, that was <laughs> that was all him, you know. And I think I think the I think the the fancy hat as well as as well as um yeah, keeping tending tending to the plant. I think those would be great reminders of of him. So, I think I think giving the princess the the clothes but us keeping the hat um at wherever, you know, we decide to set up our our new home base. I think that is a a great a great call. Don't you think it's like weird to give somebody just somebody's clothes? I sorry, <laughs> I maybe I'm thinking too much into it. <laughs> We don't have to do that. That's fine. You know what? The princess has his poem. That is true. I, Maybe that's the best thing just, to remember him by. Leave the clothes with with yeah yeah I I trust you with knowing what to do with it. We could we could set up he could he could set up some sort of um I don't know some sort of Randy can make like a little display case or something a little shadow box yes exactly. Yeah. yeah, the Mykonid, approximately one foot tall, looks over at the Zothkug-sized outfit, looks back up at you, his little eyes round and brimming just a little bit, like a little a little glisteny, and he sends another spore towards um, Marcy, and it's like, Marcy, will you please carry these for me? And <laughs> Marcy picks them up to bring them to wherever, yeah, has stashed Four Guys Ventures and Vibes um, as you've moved out of your HQ. Hey there, champ. I know now's not a great time. Randy walks up to Fox and he says, but um, I had some designs that I was working on before all of this. And when, you know, Alan came to get me and, and pulled me into the the whole thing with Zoth, I sent them down to Laredith and she did say she built a leg for you off of some designs I had made. Hey. I don't know if it's any good. They were, you know, they were, it was just a first draft, but I, we've got one for you. Uh -huh. So whenever you feel ready, we, you know, I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm happy to help you get, you just need, well, really it shouldn't even be me. I think it should probably be Alan, but you need an artificer who knows you pretty well, who can help you attune to the new, um, yeah. Um, you know, the new, the new legs. Yeah. So. You know, you know what, um, or it's, is there anything else we we need to do? Um, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to Laredith now. I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. I I think I think that that is perfectly appropriate, and I think uh, you know we're in a clearer mind state to to talk to Laredith about what we need to do, and we can do we can resume our mourning at the funeral. I'm gonna go now. Fox just absentmindedly just walks out the door. Alan will, will pat Randy on the back and say, "Thank you so much uh, for working on that. I think I think he's gonna really appreciate it. I know his mind is other places right now, but hey, it's pretty cool, man. You, you know, just you know, maybe maybe it'll help to have some cool." Alan will smile a little bit and say, "I'm I'm I'm very sure it is. I'm excited to see it," and he'll follow Fox out. The four guys core staff stay behind to basically um, make arrangements with 
the hematician as far as, you know, how to contact everybody and, you know, next steps, basically. Um, they're taking care of paperwork and formalities and, of course, making sure he's paid or at least that a donation is made to the temple in Zoth's name and that kind of thing. Um, Radford, are you going with um, Fox and Alan? Well, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with them for now. Be cool, Randy. We'll see you later. I can't be anything else, man. And Randy turns around and goes back into the building. That guy's a vibe. As you're walking out, yeah, the mic and it asks, may I ride on your shoulder? It will be faster. Oh, sure thing, boss. And you pick, yeah, the mic and it up and set him on your little shoulder. Um, and so the four of you head back to the verticulator, again, flashing the medallion of the gemstone guardians and skipping to the front of the line. <laughs> the doors sh- k- k- uh, swing shut behind you and you make the descent um, four tiers later you emerge onto the clockwork tier and you head towards the palace and as soon as you step out of the reticulator building out of the the central sort of hall of this tier you are greeted by three gemstone wardens who fall in almost like an honor guard around you um, it seems like news has probably reached the queen in addition to having reached Laredith of, of what happened. And you're escorted the whole way to the palace um, past a blusteringly surprised Wigbert who sees you now in the company of, you know, gemstone wardens and not even having to, like, you're not even oh. following proper channels anymore. You're just walking say. right by him. Yeah, um, You're escorted past him and down a spiral staircase into what looks like a series of safe rooms. It looks like there's more than one. They're all sort of, they, they feel kind of like um, the bank vault in every spy movie feels. Like they've got the big hatch door on the outside and they're like these big steel reinforced things. Um, and some of them, Alan, you note, have various artifice devices sticking out of them that may or may not function at this time based on the darkening, um, but definitely have... Um, definitely have have some purpose as far as securing the area. And the wardens walk you to one of these doors. Um, this one in particular is inset again with the crest of the royal family of Gaim, and it has gold inlaid around the door and just in general is like a step fancier in every way. Um, the artifice attached to this door still works. You can see glowing orange hotlines that are feeding it some level of sacrium power. And the um, guard leans down and there's a series of gears that he has to turn in such a way that um, a key locks together. So like the different pieces of the key are attached to each gear. And so when you rotate them in a certain way, the key forms. He takes the key off of the gears and uses it in the vault. The vault swings open and you walk in and there in front of you is Laredith. Laredith is surrounded by paper. The room... um, is it's lit from overhead by a constant light source that seems to be fed by sacrium. It's just a flat yellow, um, not like not like a yellowish white. Like it's just the color yellow, like the old sodi- uh, sodium lamps that you saw in street lights, where they were like that really orangey yellow. It's like that, and the sort of unflinching light is illuminating a huge conference table covered in papers. There are notes, there are documents marked classified, all different handwritings. It doesn't look like it's all Laredith's work. Um, You very slowly begin to form the impression that Laredith has been going through as much intelligence as she can. She's been reviewing Mm -hmm. reports from merchants. She's been reviewing reports from diplomats. 
She's been just in general working on um, kind of piecing together a picture of what's happening in the wider world of Urida. But as you walk in, she adjusts her glasses, looks up at you and sits down and says, I am so, so sorry for your loss. Well, uh, we're, we're here and, uh, we're going to work to, to avenge him. Right guys? Yes. Um, words, words seem to fall short. I think of a lot of what we're feeling, but I think at, at, at the core, yes, that's. I have confessed to you once already that I am not very good with feelings, but I I am good with thinkings and often find that the best way to avoid feelings is to distract myself with other things. And so you see, as she points at all the notes surrounding her, the, the giant slates on the wall that she's filled up with diagrams and things like that, I have been distracting myself. Um, first, I, I built this, and she picks up a, a wooden box that is approximately two shins, maybe three shins long. And sitting in there is a black onyx leg that she has built for Fox. Um, It has a collar at the top of it that has some rivets in it and things that look like they will be very uncomfortable to attach. But um, the leg itself, I mean, it, it has an articulating knee. It, you know, it seems like it will restore full functionality if it works. Um, And she explains, unfortunately, I cannot attach it for you. Uh, It requires someone who knows you well to uh, perform the attunement process and give you full control over the machinery, especially in a world devoid of magic. It will take some very delicate artifice to make this truly interact with your brain. We can't skip some of those. Normally, we could skip things like that by using actual magic. We could bypass a lot of the incompatibilities between the way organic matter works and the way physical construction works. We no longer have that luxury. And so it will probably take several days of dedicated work from Alan to um, create this attunement for you. Um, but if Alan is, is willing and well enough for, he doesn't look great. If he's well enough, um, I think that it should only take a, a maximum of six days for you to see results and for this to begin working for you. And I hope that it does. Um, I made a few modifications to Randy's design because I felt that Randy's design was a little too practical and that it could have been cooler. And so I thought that I would do something and she lifts it up to kind of show you a little bit closer and she spins the knee at just like a couple degrees. And as she does, a blade pops out of the leg and shing, telescopes downwards to be the full length of the leg. Um, and it, it, it kind of curves just where the foot is so that you would be able to basically just like a half inch past your toes would be stabbing. And otherwise, it's just a blade that runs the length of your leg. This would effectively, Fox, from a mechanical standpoint, turn your unarmed strikes. If you kick with this leg, it would turn your unarmed strike into a D8 of slashing damage plus your dex mod. Um, so that would be the, the, the benefit of using it. It takes an action to deploy and an action to hide. Um, uh, but that's um, once you're attuned, that's how that would work. So uh, yes. Uh, is, is there any way I could in- incorporate shadow Walker? So I, point to where he is now currently jury-rigged to my leg. 
She adjusts her glasses, leans down, takes off her glasses, and takes out a larger pair of glasses that make her eyes look all like bug-eyed and like tight as she leans in and examines. I mean, mm. Shadow Walker, what do you what do you think if we? I like the way she's looking at me like that. Her eyes are weird. This is weird, man. Okay, well, ignore ignore I'm that. I'm not. I'm not normally a leg. Like I don't normally look like this. You know. I don't want her to like think that this is what like I'm a sword, man. Well, look like a sword then, and I will as I lean off that leg. <laughs> Swing. He immediately turns into a rapier, and you just barely catch your weight somewhere else. As the the smoke, and she like fascinating. Now, now, Shadow Walker, what what do you think of like being like? What imp- did you do to convince the Shadow Elemental to pair up with you? In the back of your head, you're ah shucks. <laughs> uh, Shadow Elemental? Uh, I, yes. And how did you weaken it to be in such a state? Um, Shadow Walker, you, you want to ex- explain yourself a bit? Shadow Walker is silent in the back of your head. Uh, okay, so he's not speaking to me right now. Um, he speaks to you normally? Yeah. Uh, he seems to be very cagey about this topic all of a sudden. He, he only speaks to him uh, when, in the process of trying to convince Shadow Walker to be his leg. I attempted to help out, although I don't think, like, I, if, if I remember correctly, I could speak to him, but he could not speak to me, or perhaps he refused to speak to How me. How do only you hear Shadow Walker, was he called? Uh, yeah, he asked for a name. I, I, I gave it to him. Uh... Um, I I just in my head, but I tend to talk out loud because it's weird to say it just in my head. But he talks to me in my head. Hmm. Um, and he's very Rad- much about battling. Bradford, are you familiar with uh any kind of spell casting? Nope. Hmm. I mean, I know of it. I've been around a lot of people who who do magic, but. I've never had the propensity what myself. What about key? Oh, sure. You're That's not magic, key? though. No, key is a channeling of the soul energy. Do me a favor, and faster than you would have thought possible for a one in her weakened state avatar, and two for someone who is like bending over with her glasses on. She has grabbed Shadow Walker off of your leg, torn the restraints free, and slammed it onto the table. Whoa! And is holding it down in place, and. As she's holding it there, you see, for the first time that you've seen her do this, you see a small amount of magic being used. As she begins whispering something, her eyes glow a fierce blue, and the hilt dissolves, and instead she's now holding down by the throat the sort of choking head of some kind of shadowy figure that you've not seen. Um, And she says, hit this in a key point, will you? And tell me what you feel in its mind. Oh sure. Wait. Pop pop. Uh you uh, you hit the elemental, your hand goes straight through and hits the table. Um, but as you do, you are still able, as if you had hit an organic being's key, to get a sense of distinct evil um and and kind of conniving and manipulation from from within it. It's a very very malevolent and dark vibe around uh, this one. What what happened to my sword? Uh, your sword uh, is a shadow elemental in some form of weakened state that has apparently convinced you it is a sentient magical object rather than a being attempting to restore itself to full strength. Does it like battle a lot? Uh, 
a lot. Yeah. When you hit things with it, does it leave behind any kind of mark or um? I don't know. Distinct. Is there anything special about the kind of damage that it that it? Yeah, wears like green wounds. Ah, soul rot. Oh, so we've been eating other creatures' soul energies, have we? And the shadow elemental begins like sputtering and like, (laughs) and it begins moving towards the same abyssal that you have heard being spoken in the Abolet's lair. It goes, oh. and she's holding it down on the table, and she goes, hit it again, Radford. Boop. Radford, this time you hit it, and you do like a little bit more of a stunning strike mm-hmm. type of, of, right in the of effect, and it falls silent on the table as she's holding it down by her throat, or by its throat, I should say. And she says, I would strongly suggest that you uh, stop carrying this item with you, I believe that it is attempting to use you and your combat to gain strength, and based on the fact that it just spoke abyssal, I believe it may be in league with our fish friends. Uh, uh, Shadowwalker, is that true? Um, I don't think you should ask its opinion. Nah, man, I'm just a sword. I'm just trying to help you get glory. You're in the back of your head, not from Shadowwalker on the table. Um, it, She's lying to you, man. Uh, I, I don't... I, you know me. I I'm a sword. Know. We kill I, stuff. I don't know you, though. I, I. <laughs> you totally do. We've been through so much together, man. You found me under all the rubble. Um, are, are you in league with, with, with the? I, I mean, like we can. No, I'm not in league with the Abolets. Why would uh, I have helped you kill Mavira? I. <laughs> Did you? I feel like we didn't really... Do you remember we attacked her? We were in the thing under the water and we did the fighting and then you almost got stabbed but I like turned into a knot. Swords, you didn't stab your friend. I I, I mean, that's true. I, he makes good points. I can't hear I, what I, he's I saying. Believe... <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 we can't hear his good points. However, I will I will say that um, the fact that, that Shadow Walker has at every turn been pretty resistant to the, you using him as a leg would suggest that he really was, you know, it would support the idea that he was really more interested in just doing battle um, and regaining strength. No, man, I was just trying to be, I'm a sword. I was just trying to do what I'm good at. I don't know anything about being a leg. Um, (laughs) So, uh, Shadow Walker, um, so, I mean, like, listen, man. I, you just, just come, if you're like some evil thing, like I, you know what? I I get it, right? Like it's kind, of, you kind of can't sell it at this point that you're a sword. I mean, you you definitely don't look like one right now. But were you working with the Abolith? Maybe make some, you know, room work if you have some information for us about the Abolith. You know, maybe we could work something out. No, I didn't work with the Abolith, man. I was in the tower. No, there's no water in the tower. How would I have worked with the Abolets in the tower? Is he denying I, it? Well, he... Okay, sorry. You're not hearing anything he says. Uh, he, he made some pretty good points about not working with the Abolets, seeing how we found him at, uh, at the top of the ruined tower on our way out. And, you know, he did save me from stabbing one of y'all back then. And, and you know, he's... I, 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 I can't vouch for him not being evil. Did he deny it? I'm, I'm Lerith looks at you 
Laredith very very quietly like her head just turns to look at you and then her head turns back to the choking writhing form on the table that she's holding down by the throat she looks back at you again I'm pretty sure based off the empirical evidence in front of me he was probably manipulating me to become ever more powerful based off of every foe I defeated but I have a hard time convinced that he worked with the Abolith at the same time what's up Bradford um I just like palm strike it in the abdomen okay uh is this just a normal attack or is this key infused um it's a normal attack but my attacks count as magical damage oh okay uh roll damage 10 points of damage 10 points of damage you hit it and the whole thing dissolves into a black mist all that's left is a hilt kind of a rusty hilt um left behind on the table and the voice in the back of your head just very quietly fades away Uh. Laredith lifts up her hand slowly. The blue magic fades from her eyes, and you can now see, like, she looks beat. She There's, you know, sweat beating on her forehead. She's breathing heavily. Um, she kind of leans on the table for a little bit of support to kind of hold herself up. There you go. She goes, that was wise. I mean, I... <sighs> Whether that shadow elemental was working with the Aboleths or not, the fact remains that it was not being honest with you. How could you trust a weapon you attuned to that was using it? It's not like he cursed me. We all got our problems, right? An interesting question. Did he curse you? Have you been experiencing any strange symptoms since you came across uh, Have I? I looked gonna, at Alan. <laughs> I'm going to poke on a couple of uh, Fox's key points and see if I can detect anything. Hold still. Uh, Alan will shrug and just say, I, I, I feel like we have all been through a lot recently, and so if you were displaying um, symptoms caused by Shadow Walker, I'm not sure if I would have noticed, as I feel like it, a lot of it could be confused for grief or having your leg, leg chopped off or many of the other kind of um, radical things that have happened to us in the last few weeks. Uh, Radford, roll a charisma insight check. Ooh, interesting. It's 14. There's a knot being formed. It looks like it was sort of being formed slowly over time in Fox's key closest to his severed leg. Hey, there's something here. Uh, and I'm going to put a hand on his chest and just kind of like push him back until he he's like on whoa. the table where and just kind of like help him lay down where uh, Shadow Walker was. Hold still. Uh, okay. And I'm going to examine like his stump a little further. Um, There's something messed up with the soul energy around your, around your stump I, here. Yeah. As you examine it more more closely, you My can see a gone. slight greenish tinge around the outside edge of it. He's been. It looks like, it's been consuming your soul, or gnawing at the edges of it. Are you sure that is it just my leg missing? No, this isn't. This isn't normal wound stuff. You remember that troll that came through. The one that we determined yeah. had soul rot. You got some soul rot on your leg, man. That's not good. Uh, is that? Do I need to take something for that? You got about five minutes left to live. Do you have any last words? <laughs> we, uh, now's, now's the time to get it out. Excuse Confession's me. Confession's on the table. <laughs> uh, Alan's gonna punch Radford. Like just in, in a way, like not in like a like a I'm trying to punch like sock you in the face way, but in like a like 
don't say things like that. Like just like a, I know you're joking. Like uh, a, uh, mm, uh, Meredith quietly <laughs> says, "Uh, the 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 rot should undo itself. It did not make it to his soul, right, Radford? It was merely uh, lodged in one of his key points." Oh. oh yeah, look at that. Ooh, that could have been much worse. <laughs> Alan rolled a dirty twenty and did four damage to Redford. <laughs> oh, you oh. Well, hey, look at that. You got a new lease on life. Why would you say that? Then you should have double checked or something. Like don't just say that. Uh, Alright. Um, okay, so he's he's gone, right? There's no like I could I I'll put him on a leash or something. He's he's not like somewhere in that hill, and we could just be like, "Bam, you're." I, uh, he was a good sword, man. I, I think that we have learned many things in the last ten minutes that actually prove he was not a good sword. What are the properties of Shadow Walker that made him a good sword? I'm certain we could construct one that did that without also being an evil entity trying to use you and your combat to bring itself back to full power and thereby rejoin the Aboleths. Well, I mean, like, a lot of his strikes tended to, like, really put people down quick, but, I mean, now that I think about it, it's probably because he was eating souls at the same time, And but, I mean, he was able to shapeshift into any form. I mean, and you saw he was a leg, a crude one. But a leg, and and he was able also to turn into like a javelin, or or rapier, or re- really any weapon I really needed. You look up, and Laredith is holding a sheet of paper. She's like halfway down it with a little uh, uh quill, and she goes, "Hmm, anything else?" Uh, and and it, it was able to return back to me instantly whenever I I I, I could recall mm. it, and 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 it also cooked breakfast every morning, and. And it Alan's can just start gonna look at Laredith uh, and try to make eye contact and just like shake his head. And like, just like, his, no, this is not this. At, it could make breakfast. Laredith <laughs> just sets the quill down, but continues watching attentively as if she's taking notes. And and it could uh it had its own pocket dimension and and it told funny jokes. And <laughs> Alan's gonna shrug at the talk of funny jokes. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I never heard that. it's jokes. I can't I mean statistically speaking, it's possible. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 okay. So maybe the cooking. I feel like we could recreate some of that. <laughs> Meredith rolls up the parchment and says, I will come back to this design. I, I, I'll have to admit that he wasn't the best cook. <laughs> I gathered. But I, he was able to shape shift and re- the recall part. I mean, that's, I pulled off a good maneuver with it. Do you know how awesome of a power move that was when. Somebody stole it from me. They thought they had disarmed me. And I just said, I, I just played along until I eventually I was like, I'm done with this. And I took it back and they couldn't do anything. It was such so it a, sounds like you are very attached to the idea of your returning weapon. Uh, yeah. The versatility of it was very uh, nice. The throwing. Would it in. interest you to know that it is a fairly simple incantation to create a returning weapon? <laughs> Alan's going to like, at, as she says that, Alan's gonna bright up, brighten up and be like, uh, actually, I, I, I've just remembered, I, I know how to create a returning what? weapon. What? Even better. Now all we have to do is restore magic to the world. <laughs> well, or at least <laughs> magic to where I'm creating the weapon. Wait, wait, so, wait, uh, uh, wait, can I, 
Mm. My mind's racing with ideas and possibilities. Okay, so if if looks around at like Laredith and Alan and like seeing that they're like, I think we could do this. I'm like, okay, wish list. Uh, <laughs> and I, the the three things I think that were most important to me were the fact that it was both a melee and thrown weapon and could recall. And then secondary could change forms, but you know. Laredith quickly sketches out something on the sheet of parchment and holds it over to Alan. Alan, you look down at it, and it's a drawing of a dagger with <laughs> returning written underneath it. She goes, I'll, I believe this design meets all of the specifications. Alan's going to nod his head and also like lean over and just say, like, yeah, yeah. If I, if I just have a little match, I can take care of that. Yeah, don't, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Very good. She rolls up the parchment and says, I'll give him this design to work on. Wow, something so quick. (laughs) (laughs) I am the avatar of Awara. Innovation is what I do. I think Radford was actually asking me a question. Oh, Oh, I was just going to say, since maybe Fox has had a, you know, a bit of a turn here, and the previous sword was all shadowy, what if this one was made of light? No. I, 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 uh, Fox is thinking in his head of all of the times he's ever skinned by, you know, the skin of his teeth hiding in shadows. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't, sure if that's a good idea. Well, but you can, like, um, you can turn it off, right? And turn it back on. Cause that's what you did with Shadowwalker, right? It wasn't always just like a shadow hanging out. I mean, he was always kind of like, pitch black though uh but i well, i mean I, I i i see what i see what uh you're saying redford you're you're suggesting like a a saber made of light mm-hmm. perhaps oh you know a spear or I, a dagger you know because it takes a lot of I, I think that that may be a, a a very um promising idea for a weapon but perhaps not in the hands mm. of, of fox perhaps it, it, it will fit someone else this better. isn't my wheelhouse so you know i mean if we can uh, if we can turn the light off and on at will then we could be talking because i mean like i mean wow i, I could do what so about much this that. would you prefer something a sword that could become a light or would you prefer a sword that while drawn and in your hand gave you the ability to see in the dark uh l- the latter Ooh, like it like it casts a light that only you can see that's pretty cool I, uh, the, the latter a lot I, if i were to quant- quantify it a lot out of a lot i will speak with randy i believe this is something that we could construct for you i uh okay um man a lot of things are changing all this Uh, i I, I think this is true um what i was going to say earlier is um laredith you summoned us here to speak on 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 new updates and news and i assume uh the the leg fox's leg is one of those things but uh, i assume Perhaps you had had more as well? I indeed do. I, based on what you told me in the verticulator on the way down here, and now she's fully lapsed into like intelligence mode. Like she's, she's just back in the swing of, you know, I like thinking. I uh, requested from, well, let me back up. I uh, have attempted to make some amends to Selin, the Queen of Gaim, by um, aiding her in planning the defense of her queendom and uh, have instructed her in some of the best ways to defeat Aboleths and have spent some time reading. You look and under the table, there's a stack of like encyclopedia sized books that basically fills all the negative space under the table. I've been reading up on how Aboleths work and uh, we have 
secured a several mile radius in the Underdark beneath Gaim, which means that the Abolith should be unable to create any kind of lair within re- the range of this, this city-state, which I believe gives us a significantly increased chance of holding off any kind of attack that the Aboleths might mount from the Underdark. The Gemstone Guardians themselves have seen to it that they establish a safe zone, and emissaries have been sent to both the Hematicians and the Drow, who live in the Underdark as well, to inform them of the coming danger. I believe, for the moment, we have Gaim protected from any kind of large-scale attack from beneath. Now, the mountains above make it difficult for an army to travel normally, just by being a natural hazard. So instead of sending any kind of military force up there, we have instead instead sent several stone golems of the same kind that protect the queen herself in the palace receiving room, because these cannot be mind-controlled. And so one should be sufficient to hold off a small number of soldiers or any kind of scout party, as you saw last time. Uh, from reaching the queendom. And so we have posted several of these stone golems throughout the mountains, and because they are stone golems, we are able to summon them back if needed to basically report and and get intelligence from them. Um, For that reason, I believe that the immediate threat to Four Guys Ventures and Vibes and to the broader city-state of Gaim has been mitigated and that it should be safe for you to move back into your own headquarters. However, if Yathamikonid and your core staff have... Um, sufficient funds available, I have also spoken to the queen about procuring for you a nicer uh, pendant and place of of business on the third tier of Gaim, uh, the Jasper tier, as a reward for your outstanding service in defense of the queendom. Which reminds me, Zoth is being awarded a posthumous medal. She, like, kind of is jumping between things. Um, I don't remember what the medal is because I didn't know they had medals, but it makes sense, I suppose. Um... Okay, the next thing that we have determined is I have been collecting reports from diplomats and merchants regarding the broader world of Urida, attempting to figure out what's been going on beyond your travels, and most importantly, what's going on in the directions of the things you still want. Because as I understand it, there are a number of objectives that you have yet to achieve. Um, With that in mind, I focused on what I consider your three most primary objectives. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that your most urgent objectives were to attempt to rescue my counterpart, Do Bumblefoot, from Nowood, that they were to um, visit Thraxenhaus' domain and um, investigate whatever it is Radford came here to seek you out for, mm-hmm. and that you are hoping to go back to the Umbral Sea and perhaps retrace your steps in order to track down your companion, Jebediah. Would you agree that those are your most pressing goals at the moment? Yes. Yes, I I I would say that. Wonderful. I love it when I'm right. And she begins flipping through papers. So let's talk about No Wood and Do Bumblefoot first. The diplomats report that No Wood is about 630 miles away if you travel through the Darude city of No Stone. Or if you'd prefer to be circuitous... You can travel 810 miles and go around No Stone. In either case, the bulk of the journey will take place in the Rusty Mountains. Uh, for those of you watching us live, you can see the Rusty Mountains. They are just uh, east of Gaim and to the south. Um, so Gaim is like right under my camera, and then a little bit to the right and down, that's southeast, is <laughs> the Rusty Mountains and No Stone and No Wood on the eastern side of them. So um, just to give you an idea of what that looks like. No Stone is, according to the diplomats, a city with a huge concentration of adventurers with greatly varying levels of experience. 
Um, it is not uncommon for parties to steal from each other as the hunt for relics and artifacts in these mountains gets more and more constrained with the influx of explorers. You may or may not know that the Hematicians who lived in No Wood were commanded to dig deeper by their god, and so the city found itself completely abandoned. For that reason, the city and the mountains around it became a sort of haven for adventuring parties, a place to hunt relics where you know that there are things left behind. Um, diplomats report that the weather in the Rusty Mountains is extremely volatile. It's suggested that this has something to do with the rust plague that swept the region in the first era, but nobody knows that for certain. Um, what is for certain is that there are a number of natural hazards present in the mountains. Uh, the merchants, on the other hand, report that No Woods Mountain Range is uh, sort of a tourist zone as well. There are lots of cool relics and artifacts to buy, but nobody goes to No Wood because it's too dangerous now. No adventuring party has made it back alive in three years. I assume that this is related to the fact that we believe Dubumblefoot is trapped there. It seems like a bit much to be a coincidence. Um, we also have reports from merchants that the Darud who live nearby in No Stone have made a bit of an industry out of acting as guides through the mountains. They charge somewhat outlandish prices, but are capable navigators who know the terrain well and can guide adventurers to safer dungeons to explore. A tavern at the base of the mountains called the Old Bird is a reputable place to hire such guides or buy artifacts found on adventures or sell them. So those are the informational facts that we have about... Um, do uh, do Bumblefoot and No Wood. Okay. The next one that we have is information on Thraxenhaus Domain and the travel to the west. Now, for that one, I'm actually going to full screen the map of Urida here because it's a long, long way. So you can see this little pointer. Here's Gaim. Mm -hmm. I just put a pointer on it. I'm going to put this dice over here on the domain of Thraxenhaus to show you how far we have to travel here. The diplomats report that Thraxenhaus domain is 3,600 miles away, and the trip there involves heading southwest to cross over South Edge Beck, sometimes called the Dragon Piss River, past the Triplet <laughs> Towers as you head east across the Southlands, cross the creek separating the Southlands from the lands of the Orcish clans, navigate through the Burley Wood Forest, or risk the road just north of it, which would leave you exposed to Tumbleweb, cross the Three Tendrils, which are the rivers connecting Tumbleweb to the Southern Sea, and from there enter the icy domain of Thraxenhau. Um... Our spies report that Aspesh has now truly entered the war to their north with Udril. Much of their industrial apparatus is devoted to creating vehicles, vessels, and armaments. However, their shipyards have seen a number of attacks from a band of merfolk. They seem motivated by a territory grab. Diplomats also report that about a year ago, Aspesh established for the first time a genuine, if somewhat one-sided, trade relationship with the city of Stainless. They seem to be getting regular shipments of steel, iron, and other refined materials, which they use in their military construction. The trade deal was brokered by the head of the Summit Banking Guild, a fellow named Sir mm. Topham Sav, which is now mm. based in Stainless after the Floating Peak fell. Merchants report that there's a strange mist always hanging on the waters at the bottom of the Triplet Towers. Folks go in there and never find their way out again, where they turn up months or even years later babbling and crazy. On clear nights, one merchant reports seeing a small orange light far up one of the triplet towers, maybe the whole way at the top. Salen's mathematicians don't believe this is possible, and I agree with them, having done my calculations. It would be impossible to survive up there without some sort of strong magical apparatus, and as we know, there is no magic available at this time. I believe the peddler simply saw a star or maybe even an ember from his own fire floating overhead on a night when he drank too much. That's all of our Thraxenhaus domain information. 
and of the Umbral mm. Sea, the diplomats report that the Umbral Sea is 360 miles due north across open desert. If you'd prefer to be circuitous, you could travel 900 miles, beginning with a northwest journey to Rorith, a city in the northern edge of these mountains, and then heading north through open desert. Uh, the merchants report that there is no good trade beyond Rorith until you hit the Wheatlink city of Oat. So mostly they take a more roundabout trade route following the silent stream to the east to Arivale, heading north along the coast around the jungle of songs to get to Oat, and then traveling along the northern coast to avoid the northern wilds before heading inland to Fladena where the dragons live. That far north, you have to watch out for the nomadic goat folk armies as well, who seem constantly in tribal warfare. Lastly, diplomats from Rorith report that there is much less light pollution coming from the direction of the Umbral Sea in the past week than there has been for several months prior. I believe that this must be connected to some kind of activity or diminishing of activity at the fortress you rescued me from. At this point, we have reached what I would call a murky mirror sort of situation, where um, you are having conversations in character, but what we are really deciding is what happens next in our D&D adventure. We have three major quests available to us, and you have the ability to split or combine yourselves as you see fit to attend to those quests. Where you split, we will hire adventurers as part of Four Guys Ventures and Vibes. Yeah, we'll procure you um, assistance to help you on your quest. And where you band together, obviously, it'll just be the gaps that get filled in. Um, and you can take them on in any order that you like. Based on travel time and distance, the order that we would play them out in is probably that you're going to Jeb first, then we'll see what happens with Do Bumblefoot, and then we'll see what happens in Thraxen House Domain. But that's not set in stone. We could decide to play them in yeah. a different order. So um, those are sort of the things that we're discussing at this point. I'm going to actually kind of turn it over to you guys to lead this discussion while I send all the information to you. All right. I, I, I'm definitely going to be heading to just to find you i really um am sorry to tell you this or i guess this is these aren't the words you want to hear fox but i don't think i in good conscience can follow you to jeb i am too damaged physically i need i need to rest for several several days in order to in order to be back at full physical capacity as well as I really think it's valuable to bring some semblance of magic back to our party and in order to do that I have to at least or one way that that could happen is I attune to the rod of intelligence I mean I um I can't leave I can't leave you yet anyway I figured we would probably give it a few days to prepare ourselves but i mean and, and i guess that that leads to my third reasoning um i personally and i don't i don't want this to deter you in any way but i personally think jeb is is beyond us for the moment i i think that it would be a better use of my resources to to go for to Bumblefoot. I, 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 I can't control what you do, and I understand that, and I understand that everything that we've been working towards right now feels like it's shifted in the last month with everything that's happened, and I understand that if you need to go and do what you need to do 
to find Jeb. I, I understand that. I, I, just, I just can't. Well, I'm not going to give up on him. I think the sooner somebody goes looking for him, the better chance that he has. I, um, I respect that. I respect that. I, w- I mean, I would heavily appreciate if you help me attune to this leg. Yes, and that's I, 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 I would love to. This is not I, and Alan's gonna kind of just like. I think this might since since Jeb died, this is probably the realest Alan has been to to Fox. I, I, I would gladly help you with your leg, and I gladly hope that we see each other again and that and that you're able to find Jeb. I have always I I I've seen you grow from someone who I think maybe would have made the same decision I'm making right now to this person who still is holding on to the hope that you can save Jeb and I in some ways I am jealous of that. And I truly, truly hope that you find him. Man, you make it really hard to be angry at you. You know that? <laughs> oh. I, I, I don't want. I don't want either of us to be angry. I just think. I think um, this is the best usage of our time. I, 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 I get it. Right? We're we're talking about the world's at stake here. I, I just. I'm going to be honest with you, Alan. Part of me doesn't understand why you're not coming with me, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it. I I understand it. You've given your argument. Yeah. I don't know how I, I, to to justify it any further than that. I just, I... I well, let's, let's move... Fox, uh, Fox, I've been, I've been, I've been disappointed by the I've, I've been not by anything in particular I've been disappointed too many times this 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 whole adventure this whole thing and I almost I think a part of me feels like if I am not if I if I go and, and do something else that in in some way there's no room to be disappointed if I'm man if I'm going and doing something else and maybe, maybe, I don't know. I just, it, it, I, I don't even know if I can put words to it. I'm just trying to to fix a few things instead of just running away from them. Right. I mean, I've lost my leg, Zoth and, and Jeb and, and I'm, I, I can't, I can't accept that. All right. I, I, the gods have taken Zoth away from me and, and they've made it clear that that's irreversible, but the other two things I can do something about, I mean, with your help and Laredith's help, I've, that's, that's one problem on its way to being fixed. And if nobody doesn't go and find Jeb and that's not being fixed, so I'm going to go fix it. I may Laredith interjects very, very subtly and softly from the other side of the table as you're having your discussion. Um, I agree with most of what you said. However, the only people who do not have any say at all in what's happening right now are the gods. They have no access to the world, and we have no access to them. Sorry, I meant it as a, I guess, figure of speech, more fate, but... 
Sorry, as a mouthpiece for one of them, I felt obligated <sighs> to interject. I was pretty sure it was a figure of speech too, but I, you know. Yes, I'm carry on. Not even here. She like sits <laughs> down and <laughs> just trying to do them right, all right? I I I completely understand that and despite my own it's it's one of those things where while while I personally would not undertake what you're undertaking fox i am wholly glad that it is you who's undertaking hey he points at fox give me your shoe my my, my shoe yeah your shoe did, it, did i uh, stutter i don't talk that weird give me your shoe um fox sits down in a chair and pulls off his shoe his one shoe <laughs> which one is it is it his left or his right I forget. Uh, I, I he lost his right leg. I think okay. his dominant leg, right? Yeah, ah, that's a good one. I, that was, I was glad because that's been in my head this entire time. You're about to say the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that changes everything. You too, big uh, guy. Your left one. Alan's gonna like point at himself. Yeah, you. <laughs> like me? Oh, Give okay. me your shoe. Um, Alan takes off his big furry boot and hands it to to Radford. And I set them down on a table and I roll out all my tools and I start tinkering on them while they're continue arguing about your little spit spat and you know the the reasonings for doing the most important things in your life and whatnot and and why the other person is making an incorrect decision. Go on, continue. Redford, when you put it like that, uh I just don't think that there's a wrong answer. I I, I think that these things are very important. And I think that instead of debating and and trying to prove the other person wrong in their choice of decision, you should encourage each other. Well, damn it, maybe I, I just want somebody to be mad at, all right? You know what? You already <laughs> have somebody to be mad at. And he's taking control of your best friend. Put your anger there. I can't yell at him. He's it is an eldritch being. Somewhere well, this, far away. Take this time for the perfect words. And then when you do. You'll be ready, and it'll be more satisfying. Radford, I, I think that there is a lot of a lot of wisdom in what in what I you're know saying. it, and <laughs> I I. Damn it! Can I just? I agree. Be... This... No, you can't. You've done that uh... too much, and I've only known you for like a week. Get it all out of your you... system. This is my worst week of my life. Yeah, I know. So don't take that don't take that nastiness with you. You're gonna need all of your mind. Clearing together going forward. You know what, Radford? This is where you say, thank you, Radford, for bestowing upon me the wisdom that I need to ensure the success of my journey going forward. You can take your correct and very right words and... And, and reiterate them so that they can make it through your thick skull. Yes, I can do that. But I'm polite, so I'm not gonna. Clarative looks over at Alan wide-eyed. <laughs> thank you, Radford. I... I really appreciate um, your insight, and I, I I seriously do think Fox that he's correct. We are neither of us is making a wrong decision. I think that we're both doing what's right by our hearts, and also what's what's right by what we need to do. Um, and speaking of the third option, Radford, I know that that option is near and dear to you, and also. Um, something that intrigues me a lot. I, I believe my full intention would be to 
free do Bumblefoot, and then immediately head west um, to Thraxen House. That makes sense. That, that ship's not going anywhere, and it's forever away. And so it looks like, you know, we probably need yes, to... That, yes. Times of the essence with Dew. Hey, what's one nice thing about Fox? Um, I believe that there are many nice things about Fox. Um, but, yeah, give me one. Well, one of them is that, as he has demonstrated in this in this conversation, no matter how little he lets on, um, I believe that in this group he cares the most about the well-being of his friends. And I think that that is extremely valuable, and that is part of what's kept For us For God's sake. All right, Fox, now you. Come on, smoke toes. This is... Just one thing. All right, all right, all right. Fine. Alan, you are the smartest guy I know, and I have been glad to fight on your side. And now, if you excuse, I, I'm going to go and have my tantrum in a place where I'm allowed to have one. Nope. Nope, <laughs> sit on your butt. Why and why not? DM. Yes. I rolled a 18 to use my cobbler's tools and craft a secret compartment in the heel of each of their shoes. Um, so if anybody were to discover it, it would take an 18 investigation. I have inserted a small piece of paper with the kind thing that they said about each other in, in each shoe. I threw them back at each other. I was like, just don't forget... That you're connected. Take a piece of each other with you. Radford, that, that is extremely... Radford? Extremely thoughtful. You're right, and I hate you for it. I know I am. Howlin? I meant those words. I meant mine as but well. But I, I need some time right now. I, I completely understand. I'm gonna put the shoe on, and I'm gonna walk out. You, How are you walking out? You've only got one leg. I'm gonna immediately realize I only have one leg and fall. You can probably hop out. That's probably you're dexterous enough to do that. You're a I'm rogue. gonna I'm gonna stumble at first because I I totally got up assuming I had two legs. Does it have to be a certain amount of days straight, or can it be days um like a sum of days when it comes to getting Fox's leg put attuned? I don't. I don't think it has to be days straight. It just has to be okay. like you just have to do the work. You know, as uh, as as Fox hops out, Alan's gonna yell after him. We're starting on your leg tomorrow. Can I, I turn around? Can, can I just put the damn thing on so I can at least hobble out of here? <laughs> I I don't think it works like that. God damn it! <laughs> Somebody have a crutch. <laughs> I'm not going to make it more than 30 feet like this. Laredith looks around the room, shrugs. <laughs> You're pretty strong, Alan. Here, break this. She just hands you a chair. Do I have to roll strength or anything, or can I just break off a piece of the chair? No, okay. you're, you're a barbarian. Okay. Yeah. You break the chair, and you get, like, the post that goes up the back of it, so you get, like, the nice long one. You hand him that. Thank you for the... Like I said, crutch. Leg tomorrow. And F you. And I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> <laughs> crumble my way out bye as the God vault door it. swings shut behind fox and it kind of echoes fox you stumble out into the into the thing probably like muttering under your breath or whatever to yourself and there on the other side in front of you a hands clasped behind his back looking shocked at your improper language as wigbert 
can, can I help you? He just is looking at you. He's like deer in the headlights. Oh, listen, once you figure out if you have a tongue or not between your, between your jaws, uh, I, I would like to go on and maybe figure out if I can find another leg to hop along around. But, you know, as you can see, uh, I currently don't. So instead, I'm probably going to drink my sorrows away. You have a problem with that? Wigbird blinks a couple times, steps back, and just gets out of your way. <laughs> Sounds like we have a grand understanding. <laughs> I'm going to go find the nearest person who looks like they can understand a little bit of common without looking at me in such an incredulous way and tell me where the nearest place I can have a nice drink. Okay, you're you're in the royal palace. They got drinks. Um, so you find a room that is a bar. That's I in, like you know, it's like a tavern, but it's in the palace. And I'm assuming you're there for a while. I'm, am I right? I'm gonna find one that the soldiers perhaps go to. I I I can't handle all this royalness. Okay. Um, we're going to chat grants a boon. So Fox, you're you're able to drink even more than you expected <laughs> you were going to be able to. Um, they they don't charge you because you're like a wounded war hero or whatever. They're like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's got the gemstone guardian medallion thing. They just like give you and all. And he's got one leg. leg. <laughs> yeah, he's got one leg. So they they give you just an oh. open open bar for Fox. Um. Uh, okay. So talk to me about the order of operations and the way we're breaking up the party. Like, I just want to hear like the clear, distinct agreement from the, from you three. Okay. So I, I think, um, and that Radford and Allen are going together. Yes. Radford's going to stick with Allen. Okay. And they're starting with Dew. Yep. And then heading West. And Fox is going for Jeb. Correct. I figure I'll probably figure out what to do after whatever happens okay and he knows that we're heading west so that if if he finds jeb or after whatever happens and he can't he doesn't know what to happen what to do next he could meet us at thraxon house domain as well correct yeah. as a as a reminder alan you need 20 days of of downtime to receive medical yes. care for your ribs to heal um, so alan's plan is to spend whether or not that counts as medical downtime, it doesn't matter to him. He's going to spend the first few days helping Fox with his legs so that Fox can get on his way. After that, he'll start the downtime. His goal is to start his attunement with the intelligence rod during the downtime. But I bet that could work. You don't move while you're attuning mm -hmm. to the rod. Exactly. So, that's his thought. Um, And, I mean, if you screw it up too many times, it's going to take you longer than that anyway. So that's that's fine. Yep. Um, okay, so you're going to start your attunement to the rod um, after the funeral. Great, after, after the funeral. Fox's, and after Fox's leg is ready. Which to makes go. sense okay. that so we then, do. It, that makes sense that we do uh, the Umbral Sea first, then, because that's yes. going to be a while while. Because Alan will be attuning. Yeah, to the Radford's yep, going to be watching. be a over. long while. Okay. Well, um, does it? Hmm. I was going to say, does it make sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to min max. Forget my brain. Forget my brain. I mean, it's okay for like for you guys to decide Radford goes ahead. Like that's okay too. Well, I was actually thinking about him going with Fox if uh, Alan's just going to be hanging out. Actually, you know what? I think Radford is going to investigate more on the rod of wisdom while okay. while keeping an eye on Alan. Okay. So, um 
the travel to the Umbral Sea, are you going due north across the desert, Fox? Or are you going to take the more circuitous route um, to avoid going through like the open plain or the open desert between Gaim and the Umbral Sea? Time is of the essence in, in Fox's opinion. So he's going to try to prepare the best he can to travel overland okay. uh, is Fox, over the desert. Is he considering uh, uh, procurement of the cipher truck? I I am. I that's part of the reason for going back is like I'm bringing I'm I'm going to fix what little we had shattered. I'm going to get the cipher truck. I'm getting Jeb. We may not have you Zog, do have, but you do have Jeb's things and therefore the key to the cipher truck. Um and yeah, and Alan will make sure that aside from the rod of intelligence, anything that like that Fox needs from Jeb's stuff. Of course. Totally yeah, do. resource sharing is not I don't need you guys to declare it at the table. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to get you that way. Um, I put the travel mechanics on your same little note sheet from Laredith so that you could see them right next to, um, your travel information. Um, basically it's just that it's a strenuous journey, but generally playing overland travel in D and D is boring. So I've broken it down to a couple dice rolls that we can do here to determine what happens on your journey there. So, um, you can travel 30 miles in a day, risking only one complication 60 miles in a day risking two complications and rolling a save for exhaustion or 90 miles in a day risking three complications and a guaranteed level of exhaustion. Um, Fox, as the party leader, this one's going to be your decision. Um, and this is to cover 360... Um, where is this? 360 miles over the desert. Yeah, 360 miles over the desert. So... Um, you can you can decide how you want to do that. You can also hire a cart to travel, and that'll take you um, obviously faster. It'll go ninety miles in a day, risking one complication. One hundred and eighty miles in a day, um, risking three and rolling a save for exhaustion. Um, the only trade-off there is, of course, you're a more open target, um, which is why there's more complications and the the fact that you have to spend money on it and depending on where you're going like right now it's dangerous territory that's not really in the path of a merchant convoy so prices are going to be high because the sales convoys don't really go that route um, um i might just try to see if i can't procure um some pack animals and a cart using the resources with four guys i'm like if yeah if yeah can help me oh just buy them to own yeah, like uh, some pack animals in a cart and sure. enough for me and whoever ends up coming with me. That's um, not a bad idea. Um, you even have, now that we're thinking about it this way, yeah, the Mike and it does have one Dragonel that he pays for services from. You don't own the Dragonel. Like it's a thing where he pays a Dragon Tamer to use their Dragonel. But you could do that. You could hire the Dragonel and a Dragonel could easily make that trip in a day. Um could could get you to the umbral sea the only downside there is i am going to make you roll three potential complications because it's huge and obvious that a dragonel is traveling like they're still dragon sized yeah so there's a big risk <laughs> we of left you getting via spotted. dragon we're gonna come back via dragon yeah no kidding um so that's that's an option um and you can certainly afford it with the money that that four guys has so um that's a that's actually a great idea then that's exactly what I'll be doing. Uh, okay. If I can afford to bring, I know the idea was to potentially have other uh, employees come with me. Yes, you'll be bringing a team of three with you. 
Um, and so we move into a little bit of session zero for that, that adventure. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to roll our three complication die to see if anything happens to you in your journey. Ooh. There's the first one. Oof. No complication. Here's the second one. Oh, it's going to be behind my face, isn't Ooh. it? Okay. No complication. Oh, wait, no, but one is ones. a complication. Okay. And then one more is the last one. No complications. Nice. Yes. So you are able to make the journey in one day um, via Dragonel. And, Maybe we could say um, that this the is, flight was overnight. Sure. Um, <laughs> and this is we, This is not was, to establish the canonical flight range of a Dragonel uh, because I think its flight range is much shorter normally. Um, so this is not to violate whatever the, the monster manual says, and when we use it in the future, maybe it'll have more limitations. But for right now, you make it in one day or one night via Dragon Ball Tailwind. Um, now yeah. we've moved on to Session Zero stuff. This is the point where we're going to brainstorm who that adventuring party is that goes with you, and we're going to talk a little bit about the game we want to play. Um, so we're starting with the Umbral Sea and the Rescue of Jeb. Do we want to explore any genres or tropes on this adventure? So the nice thing about these little mini sessions is that they can be very distinct from each other. So we have the option, for example, if you wanted to do it like a spy movie, like we could incorporate all those tropes of like infiltration type or it could be like the the Indiana Jones type, like, um, you know, sort of sort of national treasure type type thing. Um, Or it could be a thriller or I don't know any of those. Like, is there is there a genre that you think it would be fun to explore? You know, I'm going to be honest. This feels a lot like a certain, a certain, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, franchise, perhaps, uh, that was on limited release on the PlayStation. Um, a certain band of thieves, perhaps, uh, gives me, give me strong vibes of. Are you talking about Sly Cooper? I am. I am talking about Sly Cooper. I believe there's even a part in one of the games where they lost everything. And they have there to is. work their way back. And that's how I feel like right now. I have to get the cart back. I have to get Jeb back. And I'm working with people I'm not familiar with. I'm probably going to get short with them. Um, and I'm probably yeah, so going to hate re- re- relying on them. It's going to be great. Um, that's <laughs> I love the idea of of trying to, to lean into the Sly Cooper vibe. Um the I'm looking it up on TV tropes right now to see what they what they describe as being some of the the tropes that are present in it. I would generalize it to being kind of, um, kind of an espionage movie like a spy movie. Oh yeah, it'd be um, espionage. Would be, yeah, you know, Mission with the possible. with the climbing through the air vents and the sort of complicated heists and that sort of thing. Um, Thousand so, percent. So, you know, the the very heady like um, puzzles to get through the locked doors and stuff. And maybe a little bit with with like a little bit of grizzled cop drama in there, as far as like we're doing forensic investigations and retracing steps. Like that's also a thing that Sly Cooper does. I love the idea of exploring that genre. Are the other players on board with it? Like Wash and Jake. I've I've never played Sly Cooper, but to me that still sounds fun. Um. Well, yeah. And what we do would not be Sly Cooper themed. It's just it would be more in that espionage kind of genre. Yeah. Um. I love it. I'll watch a Let's <laughs> Play for research. Which game should I watch? Which game should I watch? Uh, in my opinion, Sly Two is the culmination of the series, but Sly Three is a lot more fun. So I agree. Um, 
that you can you can kind of make your call based on that. One was more um, of okay, a platformer so, anyway. So we're going to do more of a like a detective mystery spy type thing as our trope here. So bear that in mind as we come up with our characters for this one. Um, the other thing to bear in mind is right now there is no magic. There's no magic leaf. There's no shortcut to it. So if you choose a magic-based class, just understand that there are some limitations present um, that you may be facing just based on your current situation. Mm, so um, my goal for at the table in front of people tonight is I'd love for us to choose race, class, and subclass. And Ooh. your character's level will be whatever level everyone is now. The main cast are going to level up one. So I think you're level uh, eight right now. So Fox is going to be level nine, and we're going to generate level eight supporting characters. Uh, I'm mine's showing that I'm level nine. Oh, okay. Then maybe Fox is going to be level ten. Let me check here. Yeah, I'm I showing level nine. What I am here. Okay. Yeah. Then I just remembered wrong. So yeah, Double Fox, digits. you get to be level ten, and everyone else is level nine. Huh. Um, I uh, I think I'm level nine. <laughs> I need to zoom in. Oh, it's because yeah, because you split. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I need is because my my text is really small. I have in this tiny little text box Storm Herald Barbarian Six Artillerist Artificer Three, <laughs> um, but I had to zoom in in order to like enhance. See enhance. That. What is this a character yeah. sheet for ants? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so so yeah, race class and subclass. Um, I'd love for us to find out, and we're also going to generate a prior connection that links you to each other for, for these two characters um, for okay. there to be, you know, cause yeah, is hiring you as a group basically. And so we'll need to work out a, a tie in for Trevor's character as well. That'll be next week when he's here. Um, but some prior connection that links you together. Um, so if you want to play any of the homebrew races, I have most of their stat blocks built now. I've been doing that oh. the past couple Fridays. So I would be happy to, to share that information too. Um, and chat, if you want to make suggestions of things you want to see, we would love to take them into account. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to force the players to use them because the player you pl or the character you play is a pretty deep detail. But whatever they're willing to take, you're welcome to suggest and help us craft. Um, and maybe we can use boons for rerolls on ability scores if we want to do ability scores tonight. That might be Ooh. a thing too, where like you can reroll one one score per boon or something. Um, so. Do you have ideas? How should we do this? Should we go one at a time or should we do one piece at a time for each of you? Hmm, that's a great question. So, I mean, I I'm just going to throw this out before we start getting like creative yeah. and stuff. I was actually thinking that FP would be like a good character for this. Um, do you guys think that I should make a new character or do you think it would be acceptable to to have FP come along? So, I think from a DM standpoint, either of them is acceptable. I think it would be fun to meet more new characters. Okay. But that's just like that's just my overall opinion. I also want other people to speak into it. What's the what's the group vibe here? You know? I haven't gotten to experience FP because I haven't gotten through my my re-listen part to that part yet. Um, and I was gone for those, so I don't I don't know anything about FB, so to me, it's just as fresh either way. <laughs> so I'm that was kind not, of I'm not the biased other side way. of my thinking of it is because like I don't think those episodes have even aired yet. Nope, they're not. Um, out. so this might be like a fun oh, way okay. of because because he's been mentioned and he's 
been talked about in the past couple games. It might be a fun way and to get not him in to, here. Not, not to like show biased any any which way, but he seems to be a fan favorite from the people who have <laughs> listened to those. So I'm just saying, uh, FP was a pretty funny guy. I I loved <laughs> how he played off of the other characters. I have um, no idea how he'd if, play off Fox. Is he? I say, go ahead. I was just gonna ask. Do you feel like he's right for the genre? That's the other consideration. So I, he may I was. Be. I, I don't know but, him that well. Uh, so he's a he's a ranger, um, and he's like a, oh yeah. So he's great. Yeah, for the he's genre. like a scout stealth ranger. So he would almost be like the marksman of the team. Yeah. Okay. On top of that, um, the way he analyzes stuff and he's so robotic about things, like I I think personality wise, he would be great. Like. I think he would play off of... I think Fox wouldn't know what to do with him, and I think that's great. <laughs> hmm. This is all very interesting. Ooh, wheatlings. Um, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the race stat blocks now just, just because I wanted to... What, can I... Uh, can I... I'll just... I'll go at this a little bit of a different way. Okay. As far as I have a general idea of what type of character I think would be fun to play. Okay. But I don't know what class or race or anything or background that would be. Okay. And I would love help on it. Sure. I would love to play some sort of character. I'm not sure which role in the party he would fill yet, but he's kind of a grizzled guy and he's done a lot of these jobs before. And he's uh, you. All right, guys, this is, you see what we normally got to do we step one is extraction well infiltration is actually step one <laughs> he's uh, a uh, you know like he's so a like, wheatling <laughs> i was just thinking that <laughs> like like he's a grizzled veteran of specifically like um like like almost maybe not military but like maybe like private contractor bounty hunter like he's been doing this for a long time but but he's I want him to be not necessarily as much a hands on guy. Like maybe he's a little bit more like he has a specific role he fills, whether it's like guy in the chair or demo um, demolitions or something like that, like a, like the grizzled veteran of doing these kinds of things. And like four guys brings him on as like, all right, we need it. We need we need someone who's been around the block for this kind of gig. And so. He's bringing that sort of experience. And of course, as soon as I said demolitions guy, I went, ooh, I want him to be the demolitions guy. <laughs> so um, a big... demolitions guy could be pretty cool, too. Like a You're literally That's building the... the Sly Cooper like trio. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Well, then that's great. Um, yeah. So what do you think is a good demolitions guy as far as a class? Oh, um, I, I, I think. Sorry, I'm still I'm in the I just processed the top level of what you were saying. Okay. Um, race wise, the voice, yeah. the first thing it made me think was Dirt Folk, um, the like kind of grizzled <laughs> like inner city detective cool vibes that I was yeah. I was picking up big dirt vibes. Um, uh -huh. but also I think that a Hematician or a Darude could also be like that. What's what a Darude? What are Darude um, like? The Darude are like the Hematicians are rock people. The Darude are those yes. but trees. So the Darudes are kind of like like actual Groot. Um, okay. Um, I think when I imagine this this character, I imagine them being like big bulky hematician guy with mm. like so like in this in this case, like instead of tattoos, like carvings yeah. on him and stuff like that, like very like quote unquote tatted up and like okay. 
yeah Ooh, bald like okay. you know just like kind of um kind of a vin diesel what i imagine vin diesel look like in 20 years kind of <laughs> um are you know what are I'm saying? His tattoos like carvings, like etched into his stone. Yes. Yep. That's nice. what. I, that's what. I, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um. So Hematitian, I like. What do you guys think would be like? What can we? Because here's here's an I here's a thought. Because you know magic has limitations in this, obviously. Um. Is there is there any workarounds possible in the meta aspect as far as like ah? Oh, but this guy's actually really mechanically savvy, and he does all these magical things through. You know, I don't know if that if you're not willing to make those sacrifices, I understand. I mean, I think it would be more likely that you were able to purchase a number of ciphers. Um, uh-huh. So like yeah. in, instead of mana or sorcery points or whatever, like you could yeah. just have access to the coffers, you know, and maybe as yeah. the demo guy, you're the one who buys the ciphers and we come up with what's available and what it costs to okay. to make you into the demo guy. Um, okay. So that's that's a way we could do it. Your non-caster classes are going to be barbarian, fighter, monk, and rogue. Um. In that case, I've been playing a barbarian a lot, and I know fighter is very similar. A rogue could be a demo guy. Like rogues can come in a lot of flavors, so I wouldn't worry about overlapping rogues. Okay. Yeah. Is there such thing as a buff rogue? Yeah. Uh, you can do strength based yeah. rogues. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to try a buff rogue who is the demolitions guy. Cool. And he's a hematician. There is Dude. that is that is what You I don't need to do. be stealthy if they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> um we we will need to work out your subclass Jake, but think about that while we come back over to to wash here and and um okay. work out some other details just to give you time to read through your options as a rogue. Yeah, I need to figure out what the heck even the subclasses do on Rogue because I I haven't played one in a long mm-hmm. time. Um, you should definitely use Five E tools. It makes this a lot easier to. Look I'm doing through. it right now. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, don't use Five E tools. <laughs> don't do it. No one do it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you got them. They'll be so honest now. Um, okay, so we've we've worked out our our team of three here. We've got a genre to to play through here. We know we're going to be level nine. Um, we want to work out a, a prior connection that links you together. And then I would also love um, for each character, if we could pick one of the following to establish, um, I would love for there to be either a philosophical question your character has always wrestled with or been unsatisfied about, or a visceral fear or phobia of some kind, or a childhood regret, or a sweet spot or soft spot for something. Or lastly, one of the standard D&D ideals. Um, mm. This is basically just giving me, in a much shorter session, I want to have a really clear, defined way to give your character an opportunity to grow and develop at the table. So I would love for there to be one of those that we kind of establish as like, this is a challenge for my character that I can use to kind of hook them in and, and give them those opportunities. Mm. And I'll copy that onto your note sheet too. Um, nice. So that you don't have to just memorize everything I say as I say it. Although I'm shocked that you can't. <laughs> Yeah, how dare we? Man, there's so many cool rogue subclasses. Yeah. Rogues are. are my favorite <laughs> class to play. They're so cool. I'm actually looking through them right now on your behalf, Jake, to see if I can find one that fits what you're talking about the best. I think the closest is Assassin. I think um I think a mastermind would be really cool for a demo guy. Uh the thing about the mastermind is that they're mostly like like kind of like diplomats like they're very like charisma based and like words based 
And I, and I don't think this guy is like that. <laughs> Not really. So, I mean, um, I, I don't necessarily... like. So I'm a really big fan of taking the mechanics of a subclass and reflavor it, like using the, the dice rolls and like this, that, and the other, but reflavoring it to, to another thing. And, and a demo guy that can like slip in and infiltrate and, you know, slip in, slip out and do the job, but do it by, do it by blending in rather than being sneaky. Um, I'm, the, I'm the, I'm doing the pipes. Pipes bad. Yeah. Oh. Or walls, but then, but then there's that, but the, and then there's also like the, the coordinating all of the stuff. So that all of the things go off at the yeah. at the right time, and then okay. boom, 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 boom. Just like I, you know, I love it when a plan comes together, sort of a thing. You know what I'm realizing that my character actually is inspired by is um, I recently watched the new Guy Ritchie movie starring Jason Statham, Operation Fortune, and I'm just creating Jason Statham in that movie, <laughs> and I think Mastermind goes really well in that. Um, so I'm down. I think Mastermind is fun. I love for that. It. It's like it reminds me of Hitman. You guys ever play the Hitman oh, games? Yeah. Mm. This is giving me Hitman vibes. This character. Ooh. Hitman has a anyway. lot in common with the Sly Cooper series. Um actually? Yeah. I Oh cool. From a from a top level. I mean, the way yeah. the games look and and feel are different, but the the tropes and stuff I'm going to re-download Hitman now. I just suddenly I'm just like I think I think Hitman. it's a bit of a stretch like what Josh just said. He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it might be a bit of a stretch. Not me opening Steam to see how much the new Hitman is. <laughs> um, um, I'll do that. What maybe. about a name for this character? Are you going to name him Jason Statham? No, I don't. Here's. The, it might be a little I like too funny character names. Yeah, I like funny character names. I think they're great for one shots. Um, this is rescuing uh, Jeb, so it's somewhat serious to me. I agree. Yeah. Um, I'll think about names. Uh, I might search like action movie main character name gem generator or something, but Chad, do you have any name suggestions for Jake? Um, for his, his yes, I would love rogue. any suggestions. And we went with mastermind as the subclass, right? Yes. Okay. I'm just taking some notes here. Um, so, uh, the other thing that we need to establish is again, your that, that kind of game characteristic that I can pull in to help you have a little mini arc, um, yes. throughout the story. Oh yes. Um, I think one thought that came to mind is like this idea of maybe maybe there's like a there's like a a greatest a, a a greatest job that he wants to pull off that he feels like he hasn't yet. Mm, it's all about but the maybe uh, that's not deep enough. Like it's all about the cred. It's yeah, it's all about like I know I'll know I have made it when I don't know. Like like so what's the when? What's his what's his when? I know that's what I'm thinking. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. It's like um the biggest explosion. He has it okay, this is maybe this is super dumb. Invents but it's nukes. Like, I I've I've ne I've never seen an explosion that has made me that has made cry. me cry. <laughs> <laughs> in, in its beauty. <laughs> and it's my goal. What better place to do that in a crater? With a bunch of evil people inside of it, it's my goal. That's how they. That's how they talked him into it. They were just like, "It'll be a place you can blow stuff up without any limits." 
It's my Ooh. goal to pull off a job where I create the biggest explosion I've ever, I've ever bloody seen. <laughs> That's a cool motivation for him. I don't know that it's a good arc. I don't. I know. I know. It's very simple. It's very like guy wants to do a thing. Guy either doesn't get or gets to do thing. Um, Gunner. I like. I like the the first name Gunner for sure. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna blow you up. What you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> they call me Gunner. Cause I'm gonna blow you up. Gunner is I I love the name Gunner for this I character. To, I need to figure out a last name. Gunner yes. Gunner is also an MVP in a book that I love. Um, and he's this hilariously eclectic pirate. Um, and he's awesome. And he totally fits the vibe for your Gunner. I I love that. Um, I like the idea that his back name's to me Gunner, his but he motivation. doesn't use guns. He uses explosives. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, the name Sploda and yeah, we'll come back dumb, to you. It's, it? We're bouncing between you and, and Wash here. So, yeah. Um, Wash, what are, what are you feeling? So, uh, with FP, he's, his, his MO is he's kind of a baby. Um, you know, he got in that when the, when the four guys blew up the, uh, um, the Abolith's layer, uh, when those when those arcane generators and batteries and stuff like exploded, they overheated because of the lack of cooling and whatnot. Um, an arcane something, uh, like a piece of it or a part of it, lodged in his chest, and it like kind of gave him sentience. And he, so so he's kind of like he's like a, a like a newborn adult. Um. And the the kind of goofy thing that uh, that we went with last time, which I which I really find endearing with him, is that when he was when he was traveling through Gaim, um, he like ran into this uh, gruff dwarf who was like drunk, and like bumped into him, and he was like, "Oh, oh, sorry." And the and the the dwarf's like, "What are you even doing?" And like, and then he like insulted him and as he was walking away he's like get a life and so fp's mo is like well i i don't have a life like i i need to get a life and uh and so he's been searching for the components of of a life and i have a checklist somewhere um of just like things that he has found to to have a good life like he's like pick up a hobby uh gate like the reason he joined uh four guys was because one of the things to have a life is to have a job and to make money and so he's like that's what that's what i have found that people do for a life so um i don't know in particular what um Ooh, that leans well into the philosophical question of what exactly constitutes being alive yeah i was i was gonna say maybe um the whole idea of you know fox rescuing jeb right is this is his chance to find out what it means to have like a, a, a loyal friend or, you know, family or something, you know, like well, that, like to understand what that means. So I was kind of leaning into that a little bit with, um, you know, four guys has kind of been, you know, his, his work family. And one of the founders is gone, you know, all like, like I imagine he was pretty excited for the founders to show up and one of them is gone. And now one of them has died. And, you know, I, I think it would almost be in his baby programming that you don't leave family behind. And, you know, when Fox wants to, to go and get him, it's like, of, of right. course, you know, we're, we're going to get our family. 
me, don't leave family behind. Ohana means family. 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 <laughs> now that's... <laughs> now that's gutter. <laughs> family. You don't need guns when you've got family. You don't oh, need family um, when you've got explosives. Um... So how are we feeling about Gunner and his maybe his his bond or ideal or or what? I, I wrote I wrote out just just to get things on paper. I wrote out the things we know about him so far: Hematician, Mastermind, Rogue, the Demolitionist, Gunner Jackson is Ooh. his name. Ooh, they call they call me Gunner because I'm gonna blow you up. <laughs> um, I like that. I think that's his catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm sorry. I just imagine every encounter. Every encounter, <laughs> he says it. <laughs> it's like it's like Sarge in Red versus Blue, where his one liner keeps getting cut off, so he keeps trying it again. You just got, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> um, as far as okay, I the now I'm thinking about like action movie tropes, and one that's definitely been popularized recently because of John Wick is like the the dead main the the main character's dead wife. Mm. Um, and I feel like maybe as far as leaning into action and spy movie tropes, maybe that's, that could be a part of it, but I'm not sure how, um, if it, if it helps, um, the, the common roles according to TV tropes in espionage is there's usually the brains, the brawn and the heart is kind of the breakdown of what, Uh what the, the trio looks like. And obviously you're not a trio, but Sly Cooper is. And so that's what's listed Mm here. Um, but I wonder if, like, if he's filling that role of the brawn, then uh-huh. there's, you know, he has the potential for, there's, there's like, two ways, trope-wise, you could take it, in that he could be, like, the lovable brawny guy who's, like, sweet and kind of dopey, but, like, will throw his, himself in the line of fire for you. Or he could be, like, the really intimidating brawny guy who, like, takes no crap from anybody, you know, and, and is that kind of... kind of He street. strikes me more as the intimidating one. Like I think I think he's got a heart of gold, but I think on the outside he definitely comes across as I I the intimidating. I one. love that and I agree with you. I was not smiling at that. Um I'm still scrolling through the tropes here, and one of them is the pre ass kicking one liner is one of the tropes <laughs> that's present in here. And I was like, We've already worked his out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Um I'm gonna search I'm searching on TV tropes. Uh heart brains. Tip for the day. When you're trying to think of, of, of a good story, just, just go on TV tropes. You know, just yep. well, especially if you're trying to like pull in um elements of something into your D D campaign, this is a really great shortcut to try and find what they are. Because uh remember, just because it's tropes doesn't mean it's bad. All right. It's only bad if you use it bad. That's right. Yeah. They got to be tropes for a reason. They're entertaining. For sure. I do Roller. find it a little funny sure. though that that is like the go-to of like, and I gotta throw to- together these characters and narrative. TV tropes <laughs> got it on speed dial. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. Uh, Josh, me- yep. mechanically speaking, about FP, um, he has been a ranger, and magic did function during the last adventure that he was in. But I mm. kind of I kind of reflavored his spells as like mechanical components of himself. Like so Vine Whip was just like like whipping out a cable or or something like that. 
Um, are you cool with me reflavoring those effects to be like construct sort of things? Or do you think it would be wiser for me, since I don't have his old character sheet, do you think it'd be wiser for me to uh, like rebuild him with like a fighter stat block? Um, I think it would probably be better to rebuild him with a fighter stat block because I was going to say, why don't we look through his spell list together and see what we can what we can build offline for that. Um, so, so I think it might make more sense to because the problem is like there really is no magic now. Yeah, like and I know. Well, so the you know, with- in Trevor's one shot, the reason magic worked is because you were in a magical cavern, right. like it was infused with magic from the great beans. Um, you are you're no longer going to be in that sort of spot, so it's harder to hand wave away. Like, oh look, magic is working without kind of breaking the canon of the world. Fortunately, the nice thing about uh, rangers is they're very spell light. Um, like that's also true. So like, yeah, th- there's not going to be, yeah. So I, I, you could even if you wanted, you could multi-class him and build like a fighter ranger where he keeps most of the rangery things mm. and then just you know kind of make up for some of the spells he doesn't get with a couple levels of fighter. I'll tinker with it. Okay. Um, and I said lastly for the ideal, but I realized we actually skipped establishing a way that they know each other. What's the hook between these two? <laughs> He frequents the burrito stand. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I always say I really love your burritos. I think they remind, you know, in some ways, you know, the the flavor that they have in my mouth. It reminds me of explosions. Explosions of flavor. It's all about the flavor profile, as they say. On on the. On the way out, they also remind me of explosions and not as good. <laughs> yeah, as I was about to but say <laughs> explosions like... in, explosions out. <laughs> so, so does that mean that FP is the one who like suggested, like, oh, we're hiring, you should come work for us? Yes, at, I think that's ca- a like great over idea. burritos, casually over yes. burritos. I think that's a great idea. That's amazing. I love oh. that. Gonna, could I interest you in a job? Uh, what kind of job? You know what kind of jobs I do, don't you? I certainly do. Um, there is a choice canyon, crater, I believe he said, where you could explode and detonate pretty much anything to your heart's content. It is a B and E retrieving uh, uh, a former companion. Uh, 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 how big is the crater? Um, hopefully bigger once you are done with it. Hmm. I like the sound of that. It seems right up oh, your man. alley. A match made in heaven. <laughs> I'm in. That's pretty awesome. Go. That's that's we just role played it. Yep, I like it. That's it. That's the <laughs> canon now. Um Wow, this is gonna be really fun, you guys. I I'm kind of thinking that because we're leaning into the spy trope, I wonder if we need to um like like work in a mechanic for the we planned for that spy thing. Like the Ocean's Eleven idea of like we've revealed that last night ah. we buried a tool in the ground here, like something like that, where maybe we can, I don't I don't know how it would work exactly. I'm spitballing right now. These are not canonical yet, um, but maybe there's some version of like you know you you can do like maybe we add the the action of reconnaissance that the team can do. Um, or, or maybe it's a three part thing. Um, so maybe your roles as a team, like Fox doesn't do them. He delegates them to his, his helpers, but based on what they do, you get a certain number of like oceans 11 moments where throughout the game, you can basically give yourself a boon, but like they could be, we could have established ones like hidden weapon, hidden cipher, 
um, you know, distant effect or distraction, things like that, where just at any point you can be like, luckily last night we planned for this and like spring into your cool thing. There, there is a system that you may be interested in called Blades in the Dark that is designed specifically for heists and infiltration and Ocean's Eleven type games. Ooh. I've never played it, but it's been spoken highly of every time there's a YouTube video where someone's like trying to do an Ocean's Eleven style game, do Blades in the Dark. Ooh. Interest has been piqued. Ah. <laughs> do they have like a like a start play here free thing to read or do I have to buy it? I have no idea. Oh, they got a game rules SRD. We're in business, boys. Um, All right, I'll take a look at this offline and see if we can incorporate any of these mechanics because that's a perfect tie-in and I love it. However, for tonight, our time is waning and we have established our party and their tie to each other. Um, The only question is, do we want to... um, work out the amount of time it takes for Alan to repair Fox's leg before he can leave here because we want to have Jake next week. Do we want to do that first? Um, alternatively, we would uh, just it depends do it on whether we, after. I was going to say, we could either do it now or we could do it um, the week where we role play out the funeral. It's up to you guys as the players, that. whatever you think is more fun. So, I'm happy to solve it now so that we can really skip let's to the solve dungeon. It now. Okay. Um, so it takes you 1d6 days. So go ahead and roll that. All right. Come on, low. Four. Four. Okay, it takes That's you four bad. days. Um, well, what that means is I'm going to roll four complication die. Um, oh. We're going to see if any of them. Let me clear this right now. So we're going to roll these and see if any of them are ones. Here's the first one. Not a one. Here's the next one. Not a one. Oof. Here's the next one. You guys have been so lucky with complications tonight. Yo. Good Let's work, Alan. Let's go. Uh, Let's go. Alan, Alan gets Fox attuned to the leg with no lasting effects, which is what the complications would have represented, um, is like lasting basically limp or, or whatever mechanics. Okay. So, Fox, you can, one, disregard your your limp mechanic oh. that we, that we kind of built in there. Um and add to your your weapons list in place of Shadow Walker, I guess, um, the the retracting blade that's in the leg. Um, chat asked about this earlier, so I do want to clarify. Um, it's anchored in the shin. That's how he can still bend his leg. So basically a thing pops out of the shin and the blade telescopes up and down to cover all the ground it needs to. Um, it deals 1d8 plus your dex modifier, and you are proficient with it. So when you're rolling your attack, add in your proficiency bonus um, as its damage, and it can deal slashing or piercing damage depending on how you choose to hit with it. Um, So, because it's got a sharp pointy end, and it's also a blade. So, you know, if you do a roundhouse kick with it, that's kind of a slash, and if you do a poke with it, if you stab somebody, a little sidekick action, then that would be piercing damage. Okay. and that the the leg again just for for like description and flavor purposes is um it's like jet black it's crafted primarily of onyx so it's like a stone thing um it doesn't weigh you down or off balance you something in the way that Laredith has built it or maybe hollowed out the center or whatever makes it so that it feels about equal to the weight of your other leg however um it does not this one does not resize with you so you can still changeling, but you can't change size. 
um, where your normal changeling abilities allow you to go from medium to a small creature or from a small creature to a medium creature, you're now stuck as a medium creature. It will change a, like appearance with you. It just won't change size. And this mm-hmm. is something that Laredith is confident they can work out in the next rendition of it. Um, but she didn't have time to to build it out in, in this range, um, and she thinks that having magic would help. Not to shoot so. myself in the foot, but <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, it, it would probably still take a little bit of Fox to get used to using it, I think just mentally, right? Like, I'm sure the balance and everything's great, but as a weapon, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you think it would take him a while to get used to using it, then maybe there's some kind of delay mechanic where, you know, every time he attacks with it, he rolls a thing, but the DC gets easier each time. Yeah. Um, um, we I, did something like that for Alan once. I'm willing yep. to talk more off screen about it. Um, cool. I, bef- before we go, I figured out a good bond or emotional thing. Okay. For, for Gunner. Gunner, for a long time was adventuring with a specific party. He's he's a grizzled veteran and that's because he had a, a great party that he that he always okay. pulled off jobs with. But a couple of years ago, after they pulled off their biggest job yet, everyone double crossed each other. He was the only one who wasn't there to to he was the only one who had pure intentions of sharing the loot with everybody and like just he does it for the love of the game, but after there was a certain amount of money that they hit where everyone in his group double crossed each other. And so did he blow he has them a little all bit up? Trust. No, he didn't, he didn't blow them all. Up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 he, no, he's just, he just has trust issues now. Like he's like, he, I haven't been, I haven't been on a job in at least two years. I don't know if I can trust anybody, you know, like that sort of like, I like it. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's hoping to, he's a little guarded, but he's hoping to find a, a group that, that also is doing it for the love of the, for the love of the job. Awesome. Basically expect me to yeah. challenge your trust issues at the table. <laughs> okay. Um, this is fun. I'm excited about this game. Um, FP for right now, everybody tonight... implicitly <laughs> and will, and does not know lies or deception. That's right. No <laughs> lies or deception. Feel free, feel free to take full advantage of him in that regard as well. I'm not manipulative. I just don't want to be manipulated. <laughs> Well, on that note, tonight's Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> session is going to come to a close. We will see you next week for a tavern talk. This was sort of a hybrid. Next week will be all tavern talk. Trevor will be back with us, so he'll make his character for our espionage-themed mini-adventure, um, the, the the Jeb Heist. I'll come up with a fun name for it, too. Um, and... We will, and outside of that, we'll do a tavern talk to kind of go over what we've done so far. And maybe I'm kind of toying with the idea of making this the transition between season two and season three. So maybe we'll do like a little bit of a season recap as well. Um, We'll see. But until then, from all of us here at the Winged Badger Tavern, Jake, what do we tell the people? We tell them JJ and JN. Greetings, this is FP62. Alan wanted me to record this since he's busy behind me attaching Fox's new leg. If you enjoy listening to this very serious adventure, please tell people that you like it. Marcy also says that, quote, we suck at marketing, end quote, so you should share it online. Thank you, and goodbye. Skip it to put the bow. Skip it to put the bow.